Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119, we're going to read out of 90, verses 97 through 99. Psalm 119. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 119. Uh, I want to, just before I begin here, I want to give a big thanks to those of you who helped in this ministry last week, um, Tina and Will and <clears throat> Julia, also for Troy and uh, others of you also that participated. I, I appreciate the ability to go. We were with our family. I was able to see my brother-in-law. Um, he got married. Um, beautiful wedding. It was a great wedding of just a young keep, uh, two young people starting out. Kind of reminded me of some things back when I first got married. And uh, sometimes it's hard to believe how long it's been. But, you know, if it weren't for the sacrifices and the commitments you've made, we wouldn't have been able to do that. Or we would have felt a whole lot of pressure trying to. And we see no need to cancel our services simply because uh, we need an opportunity to share the Word of God and share with one another. You guys have been faithful to do that, and it means so much to me. You have my appreciation and my gratitude. Let's go ahead and read in Psalm 119, 97 through 99, and then I will pray. Oh, how I love your law. This is out of the, King James, the New King James Version. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. Father, I am grateful today that we have this infinite, eternal book in front of us. This is the infinite, eternal word that God, you have given to us so that we might know you. The Lord, we can know your thoughts at any moment, in any time of our day, that we can open this book and see what God is like. Lord, we don't have to go anywhere else or search, Father, through any other source that you have given us a source that is just very clear. And Lord, in this is such an eternal richness, Father. There's sermons for every verse. And Father, there's an infinite wisdom and knowledge that's applied through the Word of God. Lord, I'm grateful that it's not just a textbook, but Lord, it's a, it's a life book. And Lord, it saves us, it helps us, it manages us. And Lord, through that God that you speak to our hearts, and Lord, I just want to pray that today, Lord, that you would minister to us richly. Lord, help us gain an understanding of how vital it is, even though we know it's vital. Even though we know every page of this book is more important than the food that we eat, more than the air we breathe, God, it's our life-sustaining strength. And yet, Lord, though we know that, I don't know that we know it to the degree that we ought to. And Lord, even if we were to say, I know it in head, but Lord, we want to live it in life. Lord, we want you to continue to spawn in us a greater desire, a deeper love, and an interest an in interest to the Word of God that compares to no one. Lord Jesus, because you are the one we want to devote our time and life to. And Lord, if we want to know what you want, what you like, what you hate, what you love, all of it is invested in this. And Lord, if we want to live a life that's worthy of you, Lord, we will live what this says. Lord, help us to surrender to you today and more so than we ever have 
to love the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. In this verse I find, in these verses that I I have just read, I find a few things in here that I want to share with you. Number one, I think of the Word of God when he uses the word I love. I love this. You know, the word I love is something you should be staking to something that has eminence of importance to you. Nothing is more important to me than I love my wife. I wouldn't let anything come. There's nothing that I value more than my wife. When we start placing the word love on our food and on our cars and on our possessions, we've missed the whole game when it really comes down. That word should be way more sacred to us. But we understand the context when you say that. But we also know that sometimes we're not making it distinct enough. And so, you know, as men, there was time in my life that I would, before I would go to work, I would write a poem or a note or a message to my wife trying to express how important that she was to me. And so God gave us the Bible because He wanted us to see how much He loved us. But He also wanted us to have so much more than just that. He wanted us to integrate into that love. He wanted us to integrate into the life and the mind and the person that He is. And through that, we read so much through Scripture. But this word, I love, is so central to this Scripture. It's so central to the idea. And to just gain the idea and the thought of it, and so when I think of I love, I think of this is my source. This is my source. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, he says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now I know that there's a lot of people, whether among us or just out in our world, that when it comes to the Bible, that it's just kind of a book that collects dust on the shelf, And then it varies from that to being of which we have heard some in persecuted lands are actually ripping pages. I wouldn't encourage you to do it other than under these circumstances. But pulling pages out of the book of one page that they can have to themselves and they meditate on it and memorize it so that they can pass it on when they're done. I think there's a huge difference between the category of people that I just described there. And I think we need to think about where are we at. Where am I personally when it comes to this book? I want to share a story with you. This is one of my own personal experiences in life. When I was a young man, I, was, I lived in Walla Walla. And when I was in Walla Walla, I would ride my bike all the time. And one of the reasons was I, we didn't have much money. We lived a pretty poor lifestyle. Um, most of it went to alcohol rather than into living, even what little we had. But I remember my bicycle was pretty much the only thing I had to do. So I just rode my bike for miles. And I remember I went from one end of Walla Walla to the other end. It was uh, to Rooks Park. Any of you are familiar with that? I rode all the way there. I rode the bike trails. Well, I remember it was hot that day. And I had become, uh, I had heat exhaustion. And eventually this, this dehydration hit me and hit me hard. I was riding down and I felt my body begin to get weak and I knew that I wasn't going to make it home. And I was in the the sense of the fear hit me in that moment. I couldn't believe and I felt like all life was being drained out of my body and I had only one desire right next to me. I just happened to be on the trail right next to me by the water that was running through there. 
There was only one thing that meant anything to me at that moment. I wasn't thinking about my model cars. I wasn't thinking about my hot rod magazines. I wasn't thinking about the next movie I was going to watch. And you know, back then they didn't have Facebook, so I wasn't thinking about that either. And YouTube, and I wouldn't have been. Had it been there, it wouldn't have mattered to me. At that time, I began to realize that this is not a matter of satisfaction. This is about survival. That's when you begin to realize what your source is. And so at that point, I needed something for survival. And I remember every drop of water on my head. I wasn't drinking it because it wasn't good enough to drink, but I was pouring that water on. And that was my survival to getting back home. And I was a few miles away from home. And I had to very carefully ride, but I remember the wind felt completely different. Everything began to feel differently. My mind began to think of things very different. So when I think of this word love, and it's a, it involves this idea of this being my source, that the Word of God is my source. I read this book like my life is on the line. I read it because I don't want to just know what it says. I don't want to just memorize what it says. And I don't want to just be satisfied by what it says. This is my survival. This is the lifeline that feeds me every day. And so there's a time sometimes when I realize that where we are as human beings, that we don't get there just by saying, okay, that's true, I know that's true. That something happens in life that brings you to the place that you're in life's verge and edge. And God does things very skillfully and sovereignly. And a lot of us, if we would just re-examine our lives, would look back on and say, that tragedy that came, that difficulty that I couldn't manage and didn't have an answer for, and I was struggling through very badly, was one of God's ways to get me dehydrated of this world. Get me to the place where I was exhausted with just living life in the flesh. And I needed more of what God was all about. And so you go through things. We go through things that we don't have answers for. And sometimes we question God's love and His goodness by allowing us to go through stuff like that. But if you get into the Word of God and you have time to realize that my lifeline and the only thing that's going to help me through this is to get involved in the Word of God, not pull away from it, you'll find God has some answers for you. It's amazing what He's going to teach you and tell you in it and what's going to be is substance for the soul. So this experience of mine was kind of like, it was, it's like it turned up the thermostat in my life. You know, it's like something needs to turn up the thermostat. How come we're cold? How come I'm not hungry for the Lord? How come I'm not thirsty for more of God in my life? You don't have to ask yourself those questions. You just need to quit asking the questions and start praying, praying, Lord, would you please just take me through whatever to get me more hungry for you? Show me who you are. I need that thermostat in my life. Chances are, he's probably already at work doing it. You just haven't recognized it. And also, I remember that experience changed what mattered. At some point, we have to stop feeling a need to blame God over our trivial life. All the things, even as, necess- as it feels like a necessity to be able to pay the bills, is still trivial compared to if this day you and I found out You only have just a few more hours to live. What does that matter to you? What's it matter at that point? And so I think God in His great love sometimes takes us into the places in life to begin to show us 
that there's things that really matter far more than we've been putting our time to, putting our emphasis in, and wasting our lives on. There's a sense of need to reevaluate. There was a man here local that after his wife had gone through a very tragic thing and he just barely, barely survived it and lived it and shared this story with me. And I remember him saying, we're reevaluating everything. Reevaluating all of life. And I could see the sincerity in his eyes and I could see that this was a change in him. And it was like life to me. And it was like it was life to him because he'd realized you know, I've been kind of navigating through things and it's gotten tough to just get used to just doing life. I want more than this. And I think God said, I know you want more than this. And I don't think God is the one instrumentally necessarily putting our, the person we love in the hospital. But I think that He's sovereign over those situations. He knows how to manage that well and, be, and so that we can reevaluate life like we need to. Interesting as you read throughout the Bible, story after story, and as God's people would turn from Him and turn to idolatry and start living in the way of society, that as they did that, God, to bring Him back to themselves, He would begin to allow their enemies to overtake them. Not because God wanted to destroy them. Not because He didn't love them immensely. Because He knew if they stayed that way, they would bar Him out of their lives completely. And they would have nothing to do with the One who created them and gave them life. And as a result of that, the One who gave them existence didn't want to be robbed of their life and their relationship and the purpose of their life. So what do I have to do to get you? Some of us, before we got married, began to realize how important it was to do what it took to get that person that we loved. I think God's on assignment to make sure that He not only does that, but keeps that. We got some amens out there for that one? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to introduce you to a second term here in the Scripture. And I'm going to put a period here where a period is not written. And it's not because I'm trying to change the Word of God. I'm just trying to emphasize something to it here, okay? So as it says here again in Psalm 119.97-99, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, just catch this phrase, your commandments make me. Let's put a period at the end of make me, because it's not there, but I'm going to put one there for the moment. I'm going to stop it. Your commandments make me. What is God's commandments making you? When God has given you something out of his word and he's said something through the word of God, what is he trying to make us through those commandments? Jesus said, made this statement emphatically, if you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say just read them. He didn't say just familiarize yourself with them. He didn't even just tell us to memorize them. We would have fallen short if we'd done all of those things. But he said, he that keeps my commandments loves me. So there's something about the commandments that God has given us that if we really capture it, we'll begin to capture, we'll go into what John says, that your, your commandments are not grievous, but joyous. I love the commandment of God. I want to do what you said, Lord. And there's this hard exchange and this change that takes place that we want to love what God has told us to do. You know, there's one thing to say, I love you because you're rich and you want to bless me. I love you because you give me gifts and you care for me. But I love you enough that what you tell me to do, I want to do it. 
It's not because of the gain I get. It's because of the appreciation for you. Your commandments make me. Well, if we just took a survey of our lives, what has the commandments of God made you? When it's all said and done and you look back at remembering some things that God told you to do, you read something out of the Bible and it was very clear the direction God wanted you to go. And you didn't stop short of it, but you followed through. What, what happened in you? What is the change? What's the testimony that developed out of that? And if you look back on that, I'm more than sure you're going to say the same thing that I would say of myself. I am so glad I didn't miss that day. That day that I followed what God wanted me to do, that changed me. It also brought me close to Him and it showed me something about the One who created me that I would have missed had I not. In Job chapter 23, verses 10 through 12. But he, say, he says, But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot, excuse me, has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the word of his mouth more than my necessary food. We are already catching things that I've already shared in this, but can you see the heart? See, this isn't your pastor talking to you from my heart. This is somebody else writing from their own experience. And what do you capture in this? The same thing I think I capture in this. There's this deep level of intimacy and union in this person that's sharing this. That this is more than just a trivial thing to them. They won't let the Word of God collect dust on their shelf. This is their life. This is their passion. This is their heart. And so when I read this, it's like I'm finally getting, what would I say, the inspiration behind the passion. I am grateful when Nancy or Mark or Will, Mike over here, any one of you are passionate about what God is doing in your life. And I gain an inspiration out of that because it's real and it's vital. When you can talk about your testimony of what I used to be, I can walk back. Will shared a testimony. that Brother, I would love for you to share that someday. He shared a testimony of something that happened in his past, what God brought him through and how he was there to save somebody else's life and what God used him in that. I know that man was different as a result of it. And I could see the tears. I could see the joy. I could see life bubbling up in him as he shared the testimony. And I thought to myself, that's what God does. God does those things. You're like the nobody that just walked down the path and he's like, Ah, just hold on a second. Stop for a second. I don't know. You're like, why are you? Why am I important to you in the moment? God doesn't give you the answer to that. He just chooses you for His own reason. And when you share that, that's the testimony that means something to me. And that's what I see in this: is somebody who said, uh, "My foot was held fast to His steps. I have kept His ways and not turned aside. I have not departed from His." The commandment of his lips. You know, a lot of people say it's so hard to obey God. But when you read this, that's not what he's saying. He's saying this is easy for me to do. This is not hard. There's something generated in my unity and oneness with the Lord that just keeps me going and moving forward. And I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. It reminds me of Peter when he said, 
Jesus, where shall we go? You know, of all the troubles that follow you, the prejudice and the persecution, we still want to walk path to path and hand to hand with you. And the reason is, is because you have the words of life. You have the words of life. Amen. We got some amens up here at the front. I love that. Praise the Lord. That's right. Our assurance of God's provision should be as boundless. Listen to this. Our assurance of God's provision should be as boundless as His ability to give. Our, I knew you were going to do that. Our assurance of God's provision should be as boundless as His ability to give. See, we get in these little fuddles in life. And we're just not sure where the next dollar is going to come from or where the next whatever is going to be in. And you have no reason to fear. Because God is boundless in His ability to give. You know, Jesus tried to help us get some clarity on that when He said, you know, as, as God so clothes the grass of the field, how much more will He take care of you? And He didn't tell you go worrying about it. He told you to go seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Just put your heart toward Him. And He's amazing in how He provides. Our assurance of God's provision should be as boundless as His ability to give. Faith does not fear because God does not lie. Faith does not fear because God does not lie. Man, see, I needed this. Right? I don't have to worry. I don't have to be in fear because what God has said is surely on His authority. You know, I made this statement a long time. You would destroy the integrity of God the moment one time He failed to deliver on His promise based on His condition. You would need only one failure and He would be off of the throne. But He is still God and He has never failed once. Now, we might have failed to understand but He never failed us. He never has. Now, one thing we have to remember about provision. I think I skipped ahead on you guys. No, I didn't. I didn't skip ahead of you. One thing we have to remember about the provision, the commandment is a provision, is exclusion is its own blessing. Exclusion is its own blessing. Paul said, having nothing and yet obtaining all things. Now think about that. Now, every one of us know that the job of being a good parent is not always giving you what you want. And a lot of times, taking away the thing that would have been good for you, except, right? God's provision prohibits whatever breeds the lusts of the flesh. And all of you read in the Word, God's provision always prohibits Whatever breeds the lust of the flesh. There's one thing that will may bless one brother that will not another because of the lust that we have to take what God has given and misuse it. But if we can keep a pure heart, God has no caps on how much He can do. God, through His Word, reveals which one is which. You know, God shields us and God gives us, provides for us. And God helps us through His Word to understand which one this one is for me. All of us pray for different things in our life. God, would you please do this? And we have a list of things that we would love the Lord to do. Don't quit praying. 
don't quit praying for those things. You keep praying and you keep on that place, but you let God discern for you. Amen? You let God do the discerning for you. Lord, which one is best for my life and which one's not? Which one do I need to live with and which one do I need to fight against until I see it happen? And I just want to see you, Lord, glorified in it. When we say that, we're also saying, Lord, you have the right to exclude me from certain things because you know what's best for me the moment. I'm not so grown spiritually that I know better, but I know you do. And so I accept those terms. Lord, you can give me what you want to give me, and you can take from me anything you want. And all you're going to do is heighten my love, my appreciation, and the genuineness of my commitment to you. So let's go from this source of love and this provision that comes through the Word of God. And also, let's just go a little bit deeper and think about the protection. That God gives us protection through His Word. Notice here in the last part of that where I, you know, where I put that period. Let's take it out now. Let's take out the period. And it says, wiser. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. Make me wiser than my enemies. For the protection. Now, some of us have gone through things where it felt like God didn't protect you. And I don't know if you abandoned Him or if the real thing was you just needed to see this differently. But here's a thought here in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32. He says this, you've made me wiser than my enemies. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth. What protects us is, is that sense of freedom that we have in the Lord. Let's again Define freedom. Freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want. Freedom is to be able to stay within the will of God without anything uh, keeping you from walking within the parameters of God's will. What is it God wants for us? Freedom is the choice that I make to commit myself to Jesus without anybody forcing me to do so. I do this voluntarily. But see, we have this protection. And you know, I thought about this, this term, wiser than my enemies. And I got to thinking, what if wisdom from your enemies doesn't destroy your enemies or stop your enemies? It just keeps you from being overtaken by them. You know, David had one of those situations in his life where he was just being chased. In the Bible, we see him being chased by Saul and, and a whole army of men that are walking with him. And David has a small company of men. And they finally find themselves in a cave. And David, while he's in that cave, just waits as Saul comes in to that cave. Saul is, has no expectation that David is there and has no idea. And one of David's men whispers to him and says, this is your moment. God has delivered your enemy into your hands. And the carnal mind would have looked at it like that. But David didn't see it that way. And he said that David saw that God had given him wisdom over his enemies. And he said, I will not avenge myself this day upon him. And as Saul walked out of the cave, David, later on, as he got far further away, he went and walked out of the cave and shared with him what God had done in his heart. See, oftentimes we want revenge when God wants us to forgive. God wants us to forgive, but He's going to make sure your enemy doesn't have power to hurt you. See, there's women in the world right now that have been abused by some man. And He's not telling you to stay there and be in the midst of the abuse. 
But he is telling you, don't let the bitter, bitterness of unforgiveness destroy you inwardly. God wants to set you free inwardly and keep you safe outwardly. And so sometimes he gives you the inner wisdom of how to skirt around your enemy while they're running at you, trying to find a way to legally trap you, do whatever they can, and you will find the freedom that's in Jesus Christ. I'm not in bitterness and I'm not under your power. See, because when you let bitterness into your life, you already get under the power. You're under their power. See, they don't have to do another bad thing to you of already to destroy the inner workings of your soul. So don't let bitterness have its work. Let God give you the wisdom through His Word how to navigate around your enemy. Number one here on this thought is the omniscience of God. Omniscience means all-knowing. And God is the only one who we can claim that with. The omniscience of God is woven throughout every page and letter of the Bible. The battle of the human mind is to relinquish the pride of trying to prove and disprove God. See, we've already had, and I can share with you, I had so many situations in life just like your own, where we've, we've had to try to prove whether God was or God isn't. Lord, where were you in this situation? And come to the, kind of the realization that that's not where I need to be. Not to manage life. I just need to trust Him with it. Listening to God through a diligent study of His Word protects you from every deception and lie and fear that can be thrown at you. See, I can share a few times when I needed that protection in my life. I've shared a few with this congregation before. One of them was that time when I was living in my home as a teenager and my mom's boyfriend at the time had threatened my life. He threatened my life and he wanted to keep me from going to church and many other things that went along with that. And I remember feeling with the way that he had confronted me that I had no authority to stop him if he chose to. I share with you that story one time when I was working in the salvage yard back in Walla Walla. It was Emory Stubblefields, if any of you were there. Right? It was a place of paradise. I used to say... I used to say it was, a, it was a land that flowed with metal and money. But I remember working there, and uh, this man who had threatened my life, the last time he had seen me, had told me, he said, I swear if I ever see you again, I, I will kill you. Uh, almost a sole survivor from a war in Vietnam. And I remember him that day, after years of separation, driving up in his pickup truck with a man with a black leather jacket and it looked like that day was about to approach very fast. And I was the only one in sight and he drove right up to where I was at. And I thought, I really did. I thought this seems like the day that this man is going to fulfill his word. And I, it, there was nothing changed in our relationship to that day. And I remember without a word and without a reminder, of course, I wasn't going to remind him, he wanted some help lifting the pickup bed off of his truck. I helped him do that, weighed him up, got him paid for, and he drove off. I remember wiping the sweat off my brow, thinking, how was this day different than I thought it was going to be? And what I realized was this. God's protection in his word was simply this. I remember praying and reading and, and the Lord giving me this scripture in Psalm 27.10. It says, when your father and mother forsake you, the Lord will take you up. 
See, that thus was my protection. And see, this is the thing. I could read that and it says, you will be hated of all men for my namesake. I began to experience what that was like. But what I also saw was God was on my side making sure nothing happened. Even if I didn't make the perfect steps in the right direction, somehow providentially He guided me because my heart was sealed with an affection for Him. See, the Word of God is a source for that protection that we need so much from the Lord. Lastly, I see in this psalm here written a word of progression. And he says here at the end of that statement that I had just given, wiser than my enemies, for you are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. That sounds like pride rather than progression, but what if it's true? Right? What if all the people that have been teaching me have kind of fallen behind the lines and I have gained something more than they all? And this is the thing. I thought about this could be a thing of pride. This could be a thing of praise. But reality was progression. I have moved beyond a state where I could have fallen from. First John chapter 1, verse 7, he says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from sin. Progression is going from being a reader and a studier of the Word from somebody who walks in it. And as you do, you progress. You have to progress. You don't degress in the kingdom of God. You continue to progress and move forward. Number one, nothing beats what God says and reveals through His Word. Nothing is better. You can get counsel from all other people, but nothing will be better than what God has given through His Word. See, this is a thought, is that regret is a sign that you had an opportunity that you had voluntarily waived your right to. Anybody who's in a regret regrets it because they feel like they could have done something different. And if that's really true and you could have done something different, it's because you waived your right to it. It wasn't because it was gone. It wasn't because it was ripped out of your hand because otherwise you would have had no reason to ultimately stay on that feeling of regret. But the regret is is when you finally settle in and know that I missed my opportunity. So what is progression? Progression is when you finally start cashing in on it. When you finally stop letting regret run your life and you start cashing in on what God has given you. And you just let the Lord have His way. With only one life to live, listen to me. With only one life to live, don't hesitate to do today what you will have wished you had done yesterday. With only one life to live, do not hesitate to do today what you will have wished you had done yesterday. You know, let me say this is again, this is one of those things, kind of that funny thing that actually happens. But I've all, we have a lot of conversations behind closed doors and at tables and at meetings and stuff. And what I find interesting is we have a lot of conversation. It's difficult to make a plan. The next time you talk to somebody, well, what should we do? Well, we should do this. I want you to find, if you can, in the next five minutes of that conversation, see if you can figure out if you can nail down a day and a time to make it happen. And I'm going to tell you it's going to take you the next half an hour and 45 minutes on a general basis if you can even after all of that to nail down a time and a date. The reason I say that is because when it comes down to it, you know know what the struggle where we're at as a church right now? All the things that you and I together say, "I, I want to get this done, but you haven't nailed down a time to make it happen. 
Now, if you think about this, God is not sovereignly going to interfere in your life and write down a time on your calendar and make sure that you get a reminder of that. God expects you to do that part. But with that, He'll give you the persuasion to move forward in it, and He'll also minister to you as you do it. So if we're going to continue in this short span of life and continue to look back on obligations that we want to have done, let's not look at it like I have another day. Let's look at it like this is the last day I have to get it done. See, I have run into something recently that I didn't realize. Managing time was one, starting a schedule, and just trying to figure out what is really important here. But I realized one of the biggest importance to managing time is obligations. You've got to discover what is priority and obligation. And I started to realize there's a lot of priorities, but they get pushed aside because the things that I did, I didn't take time to think about what are my priorities. So I filled my schedule. I always, you, you guys find out how to do that. We find ways to fill the schedule. But what we do is we suffer because we never really stopped long enough to meditate on out of this schedule, what is it this priority that got is going to get missed if I don't put it here. Personal failure could be viewed as things you should have done or all the things you could have done. I spend probably too much of my life on the pessimistic side of looking at life of all the things I, I could, I should have done. I, I shouldn't have done. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done this. But really, I feel like the progression is in when I realize what I could have done. Here's a thought. I just want you to think about this. If having arms qualifies you to play a guitar, then what goes through your mind when someone does it with their feet? We most of the time stop short of where we really could go. That's what kind of makes this really the bigger part of this whole thing. So, you know, when you watch somebody that, you know, has this talent, there's this raw talent as they play, and they just strum like this is their third arm, and it just mesmerizes you at their ability and their talent. And then you just stop that video, and the next one you see is somebody doing almost the exact same thing, but doing it with their toes. It's a whole different context. And when I say that, I think that one of the things we have to confront in ourselves is this thought. If, if we're going to progress with God, we've got to stop thinking we're going to do this the normal way, the natural way. This is going to be God doing something that can't be done unless He's backing it. And we've got to start living life like that's the way Jesus called us to live. He didn't call us to do what's normal and human. He could leave that to anybody. He called you to do something that's on a divine level that's going to take some faith. Trust Him to do what you can't do. The same gift with a disability is progression. God doesn't stack the odds. God defies the odds. God doesn't stack them. He defies them. He takes the, he takes the, the large number of men that were with Gideon and He reduces them down to 300 men and makes them fight 10 to 1 and they still beat them. And God says, I did this because if I did it any other way, you would find bragging rights to what I just did. And I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get the glory in this. And you say, I'm too small. I'm not smart enough. I'm not qualified enough. You're the first one God's got on His list. I don't have the talent of so-and-so. Perfect. 
That's why all the equipping is going to come from God and all of the testimony is going to belong to Him too. Talented people sit by and do nothing every day. They have the qualifications. They have the skill. They have the knowledge. They have the ability. And it's the nobodies that usually do the work. I love this. Here's this quote from Hudson Taylor. He says, Many Christians estimate difficulties in light of their resources and thus attempt little and often fail in the little they attempt. And all God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on His power and presence with them. What a challenge! Jesus made the statement to our wandering, unbelieving hearts. He said, You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do it all. As long as it's in the parameter of His will, you'll never miss the mark. Our discovery is to find out where the will of God is and then match our lives with the word that Jesus spoke. Anything less is a dishonor to the Son of God. Anything else will never do Him the service and the worship He deserves. Amen. We're ready to pray now. I just wanted to warm you up for some time to pray. Right? Let's stick some time in the presence of the Lord. Let's as you go home today, cherish what God has given you. This life. This opportunity to be in His presence. Let's take this moment. I'm going to call for the worship team to come up. I'm going to pray and we're just going to open up the altars. And we're just going to open up this room.